wrap up the, these, these four minor prophets. This morning's message is the Gospel of Gomer. We're going to be looking at the first three chapters of Hosea, um, because that's all one unified story. Our, our new memory verse for this half of this quarter, uh, we did uh, Amos 5, 28, 24, uh, let justice flow like water and righteousness like an unfailing stream. We did that one the first half. The second half is coming from Micah 6.8. Similar theme. Say it with me. He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Different versions have this Micah 6.8, sorry, I said that at the beginning, but yes, you got to put the address at the end or you forget it, just like I did. Um, different versions translate this verse a little differently. We, we chose this one because it's a little easier to, remember, uh, to memorize. Uh, some versions say, and to love mercy. Some, one said, love righteousness. Um, but... This one, it flows a little better to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly. A little easier to memorize with those repetitive words. And then hopefully, you get this image in your head and it, it looks right. Uh, and our bookmarks are back in the foyer. If you'd like the bookmark to help you memorize it, it uh, I don't know how it's formatted on there. It's not quite like this because it's skinny. It, okay, so it, it still breaks it up into little chunks. Hopefully, if you're a visual person... You, you remember what it looks like, that'll help you memorize it. That's our verse. The Gospel of Gomer this morning. Uh, yeah, she's got a funny name, because the only other Gomer we know about is Gomer Pyle, right? And, and I just excluded half the church, because y'all, who? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Old show. Do you know that one, Chelsea? No, okay. Andy Griffith, he had a... No, okay. All right, so yeah, uh, of a certain age, you know, basically me up, because uh, I was not around when it came out. I saw the reruns on TBS. Um, the Gospel of Gomer. This, this, the book, of course, is about Hosea, the, the prophet, prophesied for some probably 60 years. He, he served as a prophet, 40 to 60 years. Uh, he, he had quite the life. Um, these first three chapters are about how that prophetic career began. But let's, let's put ourselves in a certain position for a minute. Imagine with me, if you will. Thank you for getting the other old TV show reference. I appreciate it. Sorry, imagine if you will. Twilight Zone? Anybody? If your life was a lived-out sermon, that's what you had been called to do. I need you to live out a sermon for the rest of your life. Well, in truth, you don't have to imagine. Because as a believer, that's exactly what you've been called to do. Your life is a sermon. You preach every day to everyone you come into contact with. But... Let's, let's assume then that, okay, but now imagine, though, that you're in a different position. Imagine you had to act out a sermon about betrayal and forgiveness. 
That was your life as a sermon. Now imagine that your spouse is the object lesson of betrayal and unfaithfulness. Ech. You don't have to. Hosea did it for us. But that's what he did. His life and his wife exemplified what we're going to be learning about today. He was called, we read in verse uh, 1 and 2 of chapter 1, his call to be a prophet was, hey, your life is going to be the opposite of what you would want probably forever until you die. And it's all to preach a sermon to my people that I need you to preach through your life. That's where we find Hosea. It's where we find the big idea this morning. Because of his great love and grace, there is no limit to God's pursuit of sinners. Because of his great love and grace, there is no limit to God's pursuit of sinners. That means there's no limit to the length to which God will go to, to pursue sinners. That also means that there is no limit to which God will call his people in order to preach a message of forgiveness. That means there's no limit to what he could call any one of us here this morning to do or to be or anywhere to go in order to get the message of his great love and grace to people who need to hear it. God's constant pursuit involves us all, either in the being pursued or in the taking part in the pursuing. We all have a part to play in God's pursuit. We're looking at the first three chapters this morning, and we're just going to take them in order as we look at the Gospel of Gomer. We're going to pull out some, some parts of it. We're not going to read the whole thing at the beginning. We'll read verses as we go through them. But we're going to focus on primarily the names as we move through these first two chapters. We first introduced to Gomer in verse 2. Let's read verse 1. The word of the Lord that came to Hosea, son of Beeri, during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, Judah, remember, being the southern kingdom, and of Jeroboam, son of Jehoash, king of Israel, Israel being the northern kingdom. That's how we know how long he prophesied for. doesn't name all the kings in the north that he prophesied for, and he also prophesied during and after the destruction of Samaria and Israel in 722 B.C. He was around for the end and the, the destruction, the, the, the wiping out. He got to see all of his prophecies come true. Verse 2, when the Lord first spoke to Hosea, don't miss that. When the Lord first spoke to to Hosea. The first time Hosea heard God call him to be his prophet, the next phrase is, go and marry a woman of promiscuity. As Joe said in our connect group this morning, this has got to be the hardest 
prophetic call in the Bible. I mean, Jonah had to do some tough stuff going to Nineveh. As we pointed out, Isaiah had to walk around naked for three years. Y'all didn't know that, did you? You're like, what? What is he talking about? Liberal. No, it's in there. Trust me. One prophet, I can't remember which one, was told to, maybe it was Ezekiel, told to cook a meal using human excrement as fuel. Except that would have made him unclean and defiled him for the temple, so he begged God and said, can, can I use animal manure instead of human manure? And God said, okay. God calls people to do hard things. God calls us, puts us in positions to be and to do difficult uh, activities, to live difficult lives. But if God calls it, it doesn't matter the difficulty. First thing, as one professor of mine would say, first rattle out of the box. Go and marry a woman of uh, promiscuity and have children of promiscuity for the land is committing blatant acts of promiscuity by abandoning the Lord. Gomer here is Israel going after other gods. She symbolizes, she was real, but she symbolizes what Israel is doing. And Hosea had to marry her knowing that at the very least, she would be unfaithful. But the phrasing here doesn't real the word usage doesn't really allow us to, uh, to, to, to understand that Gomer would eventually be unfaithful or promiscuous, because once they're married, it's not promiscuity, it's, a, it's adultery. Uh, the, the language changes in the text. He has to marry a woman who is known for her licentious living, who already is promiscuous. That's who he had to marry. Because they were an object lesson. As we read through Hosea, as you read through it, as we discuss it, it goes back and forth between God speaking, or Hosea speaking for God, and Hosea speaking. And it's sometimes from verse to verse, it changes. That's because Hosea in this whole book is a symbol for God. And, the, and Gomer is this symbol for Israel. And when Hosea hurts because his wife is unfaithful to him, it just shows us how God hurts on a grander scale when his wife, Israel, when his church, us, are unfaithful to him. Gomer is promiscuous. Israel is going after other gods. And he marries her knowing who she is. Verse 3, the obedient prophet, the obedient follower of God, does what he's told. He went and married Gomer, daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. Then the Lord said to him, Name him Jezreel, for in a little while I will bring the bloodshed of Jezreel on the house of Jehu and put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. On that day I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. 
The name Jezreel means God will scatter or God sows. God scatters, God sows. When you sow, you scatter seed. This is a double meaning in this name. You can, you can very specifically sow, scatter seed onto your field because that's where you want your crops to grow. Or things can be just randomly and haphazardly scattered. Well, there will come a day when Israel will be scattered. God will scatter them into Assyria. They will be no more. It will not be the, the particular uh, uh, careful sowing of seed. It will be a time of destruction for them. It will be a time of scattering for them. Notice the language used here in verse uh, 3. She conceived and bore him a son. Jezreel is, Jezreel is Hosea's child. And he knows it's his child, and, and Scripture tells us it's his child. And when we get to the children, we are, uh, we're sort of a double metaphor here. Gomer is Israel. But Gomer is more the Israelite leadership, kings, priests, the, 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 uh, the, the wealthy, the, the ones who lead the country. The children are those who are meh, everybody else, the populace. So, and, and it's not a hard and fast thing. It sort of goes back and forth. This is one of the difficulties of Hosea. He mixes his metaphors a lot, and he mixes who he's talking about a lot. And this person represents these, and then these, and then these. And, and he goes back and forth, which is one of the reasons why a lot of scholars say well, it's, this is exactly what we have when, uh, or, or what Hosea wrote. We have the actual book, because normally if you're going to, cheat or copy or, or, or fake something, you want it easily understood, and you, you work out all those things. And yet here we have almost a mess of prophecy, which fits because we've got a mess of a country in Israel. God will scatter Israel, and this child represents that, the scattering that is coming of Israel. Verse 6, she conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. Notice what it doesn't say. It says she conceived again. What does verse 3 say? She conceived and bore him a son. Verse 6, she conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. Somebody's missing from that statement. And it's Hosea. And then it says, And the Lord said to him, Name her Lo-Ruhamah. Lo in Hebrew means no or not. It's the negative. Ruhamah can mean mercy, can mean compassion, can mean love. The, the invitations to the shower. Hey, come meet my new daughter. Not loved. Uh, does that mean he doesn't love her? Probably not. Does it mean that it, she is not a result of love with his wife? 
probably. The children that have been born in Israel, the, the, the people, the populace that have been raised up and led by the leadership have been led wrongly. They have been led into, they are the result of this false love, this promiscu- promiscuous love between the kings and the priests and the gods of Baal. Keep reading. Name her Lohruhamah, for I will no longer have compassion on the house of Israel. I will certainly take them away, but I will have compassion on the house of Judah, and I will deliver them by the Lord their God. I will not deliver them by bow, sword, or war, or by horses and cavalry. Cavalry. Is that what I said? No, I said cavalry. I was looking at it and thinking, I got to make sure I say cavalry and not calvary, and I still said it wrong. Cavalry. This child that you anticipate, Hosea, very likely, isn't yours. Let me tell you, her name is not loved, is no compassion, because that is where I am with Israel. I no longer love them. I will no longer show compassion to them. Why? Because he, God, had changed? Because God had done something? No, because the people had left them, had left him, rather. They had gone after other gods. They had gone and had a promiscuous relationship with other religions. And Hosea's second child, which at this point he is suspicious isn't his, at the very least suspicious, represents that. God will not show love or compassion any longer to Israel. They had their chance. He had shown compassion and mercy time and time and time again. He had sent them prophets and they never turned back to him. And this is where they find themselves now, lo ruhama. After Gomer had weaned lo ruhama, verse 8, she conceived and gave birth to a son. Notice anybody missing again? And weaning would have happened probably about three years later. Uh, that's, that was how long uh, they didn't have bottles and formula, so, you know, everything was natural. Three years later, she conceives and gives birth to a son. Then the Lord said, name him Lo-Ami. Lo means not. Ami means people. The invitations to that shower were were even more um, obvious. Come celebrate with me the birth of the child named Not My Kid. It's not a name you want to grow up with. Hey, who's your dad? My name's Not My Kid. That's what he named me. I'm not his. I don't know who daddy is. Of course, there's more behind the name than just the fact that this was not 
Hosea's son, it is Israel will not be God's anymore. God says to them, you are no longer my people. I will no longer protect you. I will no longer, already told you, I'm not going to have compassion on you. You're going to be taken away. But now you are not my people, he says in verse 9. The Lord said, name him lo a me, for you are not my people, and I will not be your God. Hosea can give us whiplash sometimes with how he changes things. Verse 10, yet the number of the Israelites will be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or counted. And in the place where they were told, you are not my people, they will be called sons of the living God. And the Judeans and the Israelites will be gathered together. They will appoint for themselves a single ruler and go up from the land. For the day of Jezreel will be great. Call your brothers my people and your sisters compassion. I will no longer have compassion on you. You will not be my people, because you're not anymore anyway, and I will not be your God. And then he gives us this whiplash in verse 10. This whiplash of a promise where he reverses the names. I'm going to wipe you out. I will not be your God, except you're eventually going to be uncountable. You, you eventually will be like the sand of the sea, and I will change your name. And the Judeans and the Israelites, y'all come together. You will have one single ruler. And the day of Jezreel, the first kid, God scatters. Now, the day of God sowing intentionally placing seed where you want the crop to grow. The, the day of sowing will be great. And your brothers will be named, not Lo-Ami, but Ami. And your sisters will be named, not Lo-Ruhama, but Ruhama. Not no compassion, but compassion. How in the world does Hosea say in three verses, you're gone, and in three verses, you're going to be great? Because God can hold those two things in, in his mind simultaneously, and they both be true. You will be wiped out, and you will be great. I will judge, and there is a promise. You will go away for good forever, and then you'll come back. Because God is compassionate. God does have a people. But Hosea doesn't explain it very much here. He doesn't spend a lot of time there. He moves on and we get to, from the, the promise of 10.1 through 2.1, we get to fully chapter 2, where we see God calling out specific things that they were doing. Let's go back and see Gomer's name again. Doesn't call her by name ever again, but we know what we're, who he's talking about because he says, rebuke your mother, rebuke her. In verses 2 and 3 and then verses 5 through 13, 
We jump around as we move through chapter 2 because Hosea was very creative in how he discussed things. He, he mentions uh, the mother, then he jumps here to these people. He goes back to the mother, then he jumps to this topic and back to this topic. And, back and, and he does this little zigzag thing that makes sense if you read it all together, but it's a little difficult to preach it that way. But what we see is the depths of Israel's depravity. Rebuke your mother, rebuke her, for she is not my wife, and I am not her husband. Let her remove the promiscuous look from her face and her adultery from between her breasts. Otherwise, I will strip her naked and expose her as she was on the day of her birth. I will make her like a desert and like a parched land, and I will let her die of thirst." Skip to verse 5. Yes, their mother is promiscuous. She conceived them and acted shamefully. For she thought, I will follow my lovers, the men who give me my food and water, my wool and flax, my oil and drink. Therefore, this is what I will do. I will block her way with thorns. I will enclose her with a wall so that she cannot find her paths. She will pursue her lovers but not catch them. She will look for them but not find them. Then she will think, I will go back to my former husband. For then it was better for me than now. Even right there, the people begin, he's telling them, you're going to realize one day that you should have stayed with me. Verse 8, she does not recognize that it is I who gave her the grain and uh, the new wine and the fresh oil. I lavished silver and gold on her, which they used for Baal. Therefore Therefore, I will take back my grain in its time and my new wine in its season. I will take away my wool and linen, which were to cover her nakedness. Now I will expose her shame in the sight of her lovers, and no one will rescue her from my power. I will put an end to all her celebrations, her feasts, new moons, and Sabbaths, all her festivals. I will devastate her vines and fig trees. She thinks that these are her wages, that her lovers have given her. I will turn them into a thicket, and the wild animals will eat them. And I will punish her for the days of the bales to which she burned incense." She put on her rings and her jewelry and followed her lovers, but she forgot me. This is the Lord's declaration. The depths of Israel's depravity. If we go back, now he's not talking about the relationship between Hosea and Gomer at this point. This is pure Israel. But if we take that and we put it back to that marriage she gomer chased her lovers and and earned income for what she was doing and she thought it was her she thought it was them that were taking care of her but who was taking care of her the entire time according to chapter two hosea Faithful to her, even in her unfaithfulness. God, faithful to his people Israel, even in their unfaithfulness. Yes, I'm going to destroy you, but I have never left you. Yes, you will be disciplined. Yes, you will be punished. But I have been here the entire time. I have never deserted you the way you have deserted me. Believers... Though you are unfaithful, God is faithful. Yes, that should be a a cry for repentance and return, but that is also a beautiful picture of God's grace for you and me, that he never 
leaves us nor forsakes us, no matter how far we run from him. You thought you were getting what you needed from all these other things you were doing. Instead, it was always me. If we jump back to verse 4, we see Lo Ruhama and Lo Ami mentioned again. Verse 4, chapter 2. I will have no compassion on her children because they are children of promiscuity. I will have no compassion, Lo Ruhama, on her children. Not my children, her children. Not my people, Baal's people. Because they are the result of what their mother, Israel, did. And they followed in her footsteps. They followed in her ways. But whiplash again, Hosea, verse 14. We see the promise where Israel is first purified and then forgiven. Don't forget the purified part here in this passage because it's going to mean something later. Therefore, I'm going to persuade her, lead her to the wilderness, and speak tenderly to her. There I will give her vineyards back to her and make the valley of Achor into a gateway of hope. There she will respond as she did in the days of her youth, as in the day she came out of the land of Egypt. In that day, this is the Lord's declaration, you will call me my husband and no longer call me my Baal. For I will remove the names of the Baals from her mouth. They will no longer be remembered by their names. On that day I will make a covenant for them with the wild animals, the birds of the sky, and the creatures that crawl on the ground. I will shatter bow, sword, and, the, and weapons of war in the land. And will enable the people to rest securely. I will take you to be my wife forever. I will take you to be my wife in righteousness, justice, love, and compassion. I will take you to be my wife in faithfulness, and you will know the Lord. On that day, I will respond. This is the Lord's declaration. I will respond to the sky, and it will respond to the earth. The earth will respond to the grain, the new wine, and the fresh oil, and they will respond to Jezreel, to God's sowing. I will sow her in the land for myself, and I will have compassion on no compassion, lo Ruhama. And I will say to not my people, lo Ami, you are my people. And he will say, you are my God. God's going to bring them back. God's going to have compassion on them. God is going to take her out to the wilderness and purify her. That's Israel going into Assyria. And they, as a kingdom and country, never come back from that. But the people are purified and forgiven. And then we come to the promise of verse 23, where again, the names are reversed. You who have been not have not had compassion, will have compassion. You who have not been my people will be my people. Then we come to chapter 3. Then the Lord said to me, Go again, show love to a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress. 
just as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love raisin cakes. And for those of you who are wondering what in the world raisin cakes are, can I not eat raisins anymore? Yes, you can. Don't worry about it. It was part of idol worship for them. It's just good food to us. It's okay. Go read Paul when he's talking to the Corinthians. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and five bushels of barley. I said to her, you are to live with me many days. You must not be promiscuous or belong to any man, and I will act the same way toward you. The Israelites must live many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred pillar, and without ephod or household idols. Afterward, the people of Israel will return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. They will come with awe to the Lord and to his goodness in the last days. Chapter 1, verse 2. Gomer, go, uh, uh, Hosea, go marry a promiscuous woman. Have a kid, it's probably yours. Have a second kid, it's probably not yours. Have a third kid, ain't yours, it's obvious. Spend a few more years prophesying. Gomer's doing what Gomer does. Chapter 3, Hosea. Go show love to the woman who is loved by another man. Go get your adulterous wife. Your adulterous wife that right now, because of her decisions, is in some way likely a slave. Or, if not full slavery, has been bought by owned by a pimp, part of a brothel. Whatever the case, he has to buy his, his wife back. Very likely part of an auction. Public. And if it goes the way that it normally went at the time, she would have been stripped to her waist on the, the auction block, some three kids and six, nine years later, having spent her days in prostitution, it probably wasn't a, probably wasn't a good sight. Go buy your wife back. Sometimes God calls us to do hard things. Hard things in a hard time. And he does. He goes and buys her. For a pretty good price. Probably a lot more than she was worth, to be honest. That's not just Gomer, though, on that auction block. That's Israel. Right? She's Israel. This is God buying his people back from exile. Bringing his people home. Paying whatever price is necessary 
the price of actually many of their lives to get them back. The price of the discipline, the price of the exile. It's not Gomer on that stage, though. It's not Israel on that auction block. That's you on that auction block. It's not Hosea buying you back with 15 shekels of silver and some grain. It's Jesus Christ buying you back with his own blood. The world will treat you like a worn-out prostitute and say you're not worth anything. You're not worth the time. You're not worth the money. You are worthless. You'll even get notes that tell you that. You're worthless. And Jesus will come to the auction block and say, you are valuable. You are worth it. You are worth so much that I will die for you to buy you off of this auction block. Not 15 shekels of silver, not even other people being sacrificed to bring you back, but himself on the cross for you. Because God knows no limit in his pursuit of sinners. Because of his great love and grace. Pat, if you could go on to the next slide. Thank you. You are being bought from sin. You have been bought from sin. What are you going to do? It, it's very likely that Gomer, I would imagine, never looked up. She hears a voice bidding Maybe even, I planned on finishing earlier today. I'm going to, I promise. But imagine the, the voice from the crowd, maybe even the back. She is on the auction block, and the auctioneer says, Well, this is all we've got left. Who's going to start the bid? dollar, two do a piece of silver, a bucket of grain, and maybe it goes up to a couple of pieces when suddenly from the back somebody says, and she knows the voice of the man who is going to say 15 shekels of silver, bushels of barley. Did she look up? She didn't have to. She knew the voice. My guess is she couldn't. She knew where she'd been. And yet, her husband's buying her back. You today, in your sin, you stand, you kneel, you, you, you wallow on that auction block... 
And from the crowd, Jesus cries out, I will give my life for you. To buy you back. Do you think she wanted to stay there? I think probably so. Go home with the man that she had treated this way for however many years, nearly a decade or more? This morning you have the same option. You can stay on the block and say, No, Jesus, I will not, I cannot. You don't know the things I've done. Hosea knew everything she had done. His kids were named not loved and not mine. She, he knew what she had done. Jesus knows what you have done. And he stands and says, I will buy you back. No matter the cost. I'll pay more than anybody else would even think about bidding for you. I told you to remember that purification that would happen as God leads Israel into the wilderness and brings them back. See? Jesus is going to do the same thing. Hosea tells her, you live with me many days, don't be promiscuous or belong to any man. We're going to take some time off. You're coming home, but ain't nothing happening for a while. There's going to be a time of purification. And then we will be husband and wife again. Jesus is calling you today to buy you from sin and say, come on. There's going to be a time of purification. We are going to work on some things, but come to me now anyway, and then we will get through this. And on the other side, we will know each other. We will be one. Will you get off the auction block and go to your Savior who has paid the ultimate price for you? The wages of sin is death. An auction block. An altar to the gods of this world. But the gift of God, the, the, the one who sent his son, the free gift is eternal life through the one who has bid his life for you, Jesus Christ. Will you respond in faith this morning? Get off the auction block and go to Jesus. Go to your Father. Go to the one who loves you so, so much. That's the gospel of Gomer and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you sent your son to save us, to get us off the auction block, to buy us back from sin's entanglements, from sin's ownership, from our slavery to it. Thank you. But Lord, I pray that you will work on our hearts, that we will not be so proud not to go to Jesus, or so proud to not go to Jesus, so fearful in our sin that we say there's just no way he can love me. God commanded Hosea, you commanded Hosea to go and love her. 
you didn't have to command Jesus to love us. He does. And he offers his blood in payment. God, may we respond today to that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Your next step this morning may look like getting off the auction block, coming to Jesus for salvation, responding in faith to him. Maybe it is responding in obedience and baptism or any of the number of things that are on the screen, ways God may be working on your heart. But God is calling. The auction is for us every day. Will you go to God when he says, I have something better and I've paid the price for you? We're going to take a time of worship now and we're going to let God work on our hearts. So let's stand. Let's sing. Lost person, get off the auction block. Believer, don't get back on the auction block. If the world has called, deny them and return to the Lord this morning. I'll be up here at the front if you'd like prayer or like to discuss some whatever the Lord's working with you on. Chelsea will be to my right. Uh, Lee, one of our deacons, will be in the back to talk to you. What's God doing with you this morning? How is God pursuing you this morning? Let him catch you today. Let's sing and worship.